Um, this week we're going to, I'm going to try to say, um, like 85 times. Yeah. So yeah. It'll cost me more though. It costs me more if I say, um, I need to learn how to not say We'll make it. an um Funny. jar, like a, a dollar and said, um. Yeah. Ooh. Where is it? Where do these dollars where go? These dollars go to giraffe. Exactly. Yeah. Man. So. Well, uh, welcome back to another giraffe studio broadcast of. The Big Rick and Billy Show. <laughs> I don't. I don't. We got to come up with a title that's better than this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was the only input I put. It was like, how about a new name? Yeah. You know? <laughs> what, yeah. What were your names? Uh, what was let's that? see. Uh, Bible Babble. You know, yeah, so, Bible Babble. That's actually pretty good, man. I'm not gonna lie. That's not bad. It sounds like a snack food, like fiddle. Yeah, babble. yeah. So well, you're just hungry, you know. <laughs> just because Rick was eating sour cream and onion chips on the way over. So. I had to. I, I didn't get to eat dinner. Yeah, so, I so some uh, chips. Uh, Testament Talk was one of them. I think oh, yeah. uh, that's not bad either. Church Chatter or uh, yeah, Testament so, Talk's kind of cool. Yeah, Testament Talk. So, yeah, that's all right. Uh, so welcome you... to Testament Talk <laughs> live at Giraffe Studio. <laughs> I, I, uh, I kind of like Bible Babble though because it sounds a little more informal. Testament Talk sounds like you really are dead serious about yeah, yourself. Yeah. Like this is the way it is. So, <laughs> right. But yeah, Bible Babble's just uh, I mean, Bible Babble's not bad. Yeah, but but anyway, so we could we can. It's also fun to say. I want to say it a bunch like Bible Babble Bible Babble. <laughs> <laughs> Say that twenty times. Sounds like a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, anyway, I, I do. If you're hungry, have granola bars that are super cheap, and I buy simply to give to people. Oh well, that's nice. So. I actually, I'm okay. I've I've got food at home, and I'll eat when I get home later. You like how I advertise them, right? These granola <laughs> bars are so cheap. They're so yeah. People can just eat the whole box. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be should, delicious. That should sound good in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're here again with Billy Kimsey. Yep. And Andy Bishop. Hello. At his studio draft. St I've said draft studio. I'm plugging the crap. Out I know of the you studio. are. I love this studio, man. I love it, it here. It's the green walls. Everybody likes. It that. is. It's like a green room, but you can't film in it. I love it here, but. Um, and I oh, guess there's we, a dollar. We might. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I did it twice. Yes. We're going to. Um, <laughs> we broke. Today we're going to talk about a unique part of scripture that Jesus speaks about the afterlife, and it's considered by some in the faith to be a parable. And then it's considered by others to not be a parable, but that it's actually factual. And if it's factual, it's terrifying. If it's a parable, it's still pretty terrifying. And when you talk about Jesus, most people see him as almost like this loving hippie, you know, like the, yep. he's this yeah, loving kind yeah, of the yeah. image I have. The loving sure. guru. That's what I like about him. Yeah. Sandals, robe. Right, which is all true. That yep. that's all true. Um, I don't know about the long hair. I mean, it, it seems that you know Paul talks in the New Testament about how that's like not good for a man to have long hair, okay. and it's not good for a woman to have short hair. So I don't know in their culture that he would have had long hair like that. But regardless, he probably, being a Jewish rabbi, would have had those like curls and mm -hmm. would have you know would have had the shawl and and all those things. But he is a when you talk about the afterlife, like we were talking about the topic of heaven or hell, yep, it's interesting to know that hell itself, like the doctrine of hell, like you know this eternal punishment, was taught by Christ. This was this was the first people had really heard of it. Oh, that's funny. And I, most that's people don't know that. Me. Yeah, yeah. No see, idea. most people yeah. don't know that the idea of hell. It <clears throat> Christ based this a lot of his teachings off of what you could see around him. He would point at water and say, I'm the living water, you know, and if you drink of me, then you'll never thirst again. You know, he would say okay. that hell is a place called the Valley of Hinnom or Gehenna. And it was literally, I talked about it, you know, two weeks ago when we were at our last podcast where there's dead bodies and trash and rubbish that's always burning all the time. This was outside of Jerusalem. This was in Israel. This is the Valley of Hinnom. It's very well known. And so he was describing a place where the soul goes, where it's cast out. Gotcha. That's fascinating all by itself. So Hennem was an actual place. It he was. was. comparing it to that place. Mm -hmm. But this was the first, these are canonically the first 
descriptions of hell in this way? Yes. Hades is understood. Like Hades is a Greek word and it's, we, we remember mythology like, you know, Hades and yeah, um, Zeus. And, yeah. Yep, yep. Hades was the place where the dead went and the Hebrew word I believe is, I, I can't even remember it right now, but Jesus had, he was the, the first person to really hone in on what happens to the soul they believed in afterlife. They believed in paradise, actually. They would say when a person died, he slept with his fathers, like he was going in with his ancestors. But to the scribes and the Pharisees, the people of power, the rulers of the synagogues, they were using their authority to hold people down. And when Christ came on the scene, he was hanging out with people that were fishermen, prostitutes, you know, he was hanging out with the dregs Thieves, of society. Yeah, yeah, Thieves, yeah. yeah. And how is this man who's doing these miraculous things by healing people, um, why is he hanging out with these people? Why isn't he with us, the religious, you know, this theocracy that they ran? And, you know, the high priest and everybody beneath him, they were disgusted by him. They, they didn't understand why he was the way he was, but he would put it back on them, you know, and he would say, how can you escape hell? You, the way that you are, you, you'll strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. That's one of his lines. He's talking about the law. He's talking about how you're telling people you need to tithe one tenth, but they're full of hatred. And he was like, hmm. Or they point out, hey, you're working on the Sabbath. And then he would respond, why are you pointing at the splinter in my eye when you've got a board in yours? You know, he just... He had such amazing, an understanding of the world. Obviously, <clears throat> he me. was he was really killer at comebacks. Is what I'm. He hearing. was amazing. Yeah. He was, and he always responded usually with a question. You know, they'd say, "We have a question for you," and he'd say, "Well, I have a question for you." You know. Yeah. One of my favorite things that he does, and it's a, this is good to talk about before we get into the story. One of the things that Jesus does, he illustrates things around you so that you can understand it. And he would always say, the kingdom of heaven is like this, because no one can see the kingdom of heaven. And he's trying to describe what it looks like or what it does. Like the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest seeds, but if you plant it, it grows and it becomes like a tree and birds can even land in it. It's like, hmm. So what you're saying is that the kingdom of heaven is like something that's very small. It's hard to see. It's but then suddenly becomes very big. It's something that germinates inside you and it grows inside you. It becomes something more to you. It, he, he uses things around you know, people. One of my favorites, though, the people came and they, they wanted to trick him. The, the Pharisees wanted to trick him. If they could get him to break something, they could arrest him, break some law, then they could arrest him. And so this was always something they were doing to him. And one time they came up to him, they said, Sounds like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Does it? <laughs> But he would always outwit them. Always. Always. He'd always get Elmer. But (laughs) they asked him, should we pay tax to Rome? You got to understand, Israel is an occupied country at this point. Rome has occupied Israel. They're under Roman control, and they are demanding taxes being paid. Okay? And Jesus has to respond, but he knows what they're trying to do. So he responds in an amazing way. He says, bring me a coin. And so... Because they are using Roman money, they bring this coin to him, and they say, he says, whose uh, face is on that coin? And they were like, Caesar's. And he says, okay, then render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God's. And so it's really, it's interesting because he's saying, yeah, the money that they've made that they're making you use, yeah, give it back to them. But God gave you your life. Now you give your life back to him. It's pretty smart. Yeah. But also, what's really cool is that it says that we are made in the image of God in, in Genesis, that we are made in the Im- yeah. in, in his image where we made, male and female created he them. So whose image is on us? So you got the coin, you got the image. So Christ was amazing. He, he could, there was a lot of things that he could teach you without hardly saying anything. He would say very few words and yeah. it would really get- Honest, Honestly, it sounds like, I'm speaking from a place of ignorance here. I would like to pretend that I wasn't, but uh, it sounds very Socratic, sort of Mm -hmm. like that particular sort of 
rhetoric where you kind of like wait around and like lead people in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. But what's amazing is that he is, he's living within the construct of Judaism Mm -hmm. and he has to follow these laws, but yet he's bringing in a new covenant, but also fulfilling the old one simultaneously. It's a really amazing story. And when you read into the fine lines... Christ was amazing. I mean, he was yeah, it amazing. Like, it sounds yeah. like he's walking a bit of a tightrope. Very much yeah. so. Yeah, he was. And he, ultimately he was killed. Ultimately he was yeah. brutally murdered in front of his mother. And he paid the ultimate price. But what they didn't know is that he was doing that for us. So all of these things that he's teaching us, and this next thing that we're going to talk about, is Christ talking to these Pharisees who are always trying to to get him. These people are rich. They're taking advantage of the people and he's had it. You know, he's been dealing with this for years and now he's talking back to him. And so in Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 19, Jesus starts off the story this way. And I'll just read the whole thing and then we can go back through it. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So Jesus is saying this to the Pharisees. He's telling the story. His disciples are in earshot, but the Pharisees are hearing all this. And I want to break this down. If it's a parable, there's some hidden truth in it. Mm-hmm. He's setting up the story for you to find some nugget of truth. What is the nugget of truth? Well, if you are in this life, if you're only worried about yourself and you don't care for others, chances are you're not going to get very far in the afterlife. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that is the dregs of society, you're begging, you're sick, you don't have anyone who's willing to help you in the story, then you're carried into paradise and you're with where you can actually have water and you're not in torment, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that would be paradise. So Jesus is, if it's a parable, that's kind of it. But usually a parable is designed to blind people. It's actually, some people don't ever get it. Whenever Jesus teaches parables, if you read in the scriptures, a lot of times the disciples were like, what did that mean? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. And then he explains it to him and he says, you're blessed because I'm here to tell you what this is. But I, you know, I tell these parables because... I'm making them blind. I'm making them deaf. It's so odd. Most people don't know this, Andy. Most people don't realize that. No, this is all news to me. Right? It's news to a lot of people. It is. You have to read it. Like You you have to. You have to read it. So I don't personally believe that this is a parable. And the reason why is because he uses a man's name and he's never done that. In all of scripture, he never uses a person's name in a parable. 
It's always a certain man or a certain woman. Mm-hmm. But never the name. But never the name. You know, you hear about there was a father and he had two sons and the one son wanted all that was his. And so the father gives it to him and then he goes off into a distant land and he wastes all of his money. You know, that's the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. And he comes back and the father kisses him and loves him. You know, and there's lessons inside of these little parables. But this one, he uses a name, Lazarus, and he talks about Abraham. He doesn't give a name for the rich man, but he does give you the name of Lazarus. And it's kind of interesting because most people know the story of Lazarus being rose, you know, risen from the dead. Christ resurrected Lazarus. Most scholars... I do not. You don't know that story? Nope. You so, will find there are a lot of stories I don't know. Well, that's Okay. There's a lot of things you know that I don't. That's why I'm recording here. <laughs> but there's moments where Christ is trying to hone in on a specific subject, and the person who needs to understand it is probably most likely the evil character that's against him. In a lot of cases, he's going after the establishment, which is why he gets killed in the first place, because yeah. he goes after the establishment. So... Let's break this down as if it's not a parable. This is an actual factual story. Okay. 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 There was a certain rich man. So immediately, rich. Jesus taught in his Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, not cash, but he said the poor in spirit, right? For they shall inherit the earth. Being poor in spirit means you could be wealthy, but you could have not necessarily poverty. He doesn't mean be poverty stricken. and yeah, be, yeah. He just means to be humble, you know, to be humble. So there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple. Now purple is... Now, I'm, I'm sorry, I need to back that up just to point out the, yeah. the misinterpretation that I had. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So when I hear that, and of course, I don't think any of us read Hebrew... When I hear that, I heard, uh, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Or no, blessed do, blessed are those that are poor. They are blessed in spirit. That oh, is the way I heard it. Right. When you're saying blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Right. He says okay. blessed are the poor in spirit. Ah, okay. Yes. So it's, in other words, it's a mind, it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be as rich as you want to be, but if you're humble, you're philanthropic, you're a good person in that regard, you're blessed means happy. So happy is the person that is humble hmm. and isn't haughty and above other people. That's, that's just one of the many things that he says in that sermon. So clothed in purple, this rich man, purple in the ancient time was usually worn by royalty. Uh, it was a very difficult fabric color to get. Purple was difficult. And so you had to have quite a bit of money in order to get that kind of fabric. Oh, wow. Okay. At that time. So this is sort of setting you up, telling you this is how rich he was. And he also had fine linen, which was very difficult to get. Most of the people that he was talking to didn't even have fine linen. You know, that was a very expensive fabric. And here's the next part and fared sumptuously every day, sumptuously. I mean, this guy had a lot of, it's almost like the Bill Gates of his time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The Jeff Bezos guy, Yeah, you know? <laughs> so this guy was very rich. And then it says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. So he is sick. He has sores, yet there's something wrong with him. Mm -hmm. He is hungry. He is laid at this man's gate. What they used to do in ancient times, beggars would be brought to specific places in the city, either the pool of Siloam, and they would sit a man down, and then they would beg there. And that's how they earned their living. That's how Because they didn't have the type of generosity that we have today. Okay. They don't have... Probably probably not a lot of state-sponsored help. Yeah. None. None. There was there wasn't anything like that. You just you starved or you could beg. Okay. And some people would be, you know, kind enough to give something, but that's how they would earn their living daily. They weren't allowed to just take from whomever. They had to try to get money on their own. So this man was just wanting crumbs. He just wanted something. He was very ill and he needed food. And dogs, 
would come up and lick his sores, which we know that a lot of dogs' tongues have some healing properties to it. Yeah, yeah. I've had them lick. I, I, I this is gonna be gross, but I had athlete's <laughs> foot. And my dog licked my feet, and it's like it went away. Really, <laughs> it was really? the weirdest. Wow. Okay, I, I would recommend it. <laughs> Let dog, Kiba lick your feet if you get. Did the dog lick you in the face after he licked your feet? <laughs> no, after he licked his butt. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I got athlete's face. <laughs> yeah. Face, athlete's face. Athlete's wow. face. Yeah, so. <laughs> athlete's face. So. So the beggar was laid at the rich man's gate and he was very sick, ill. And he just, it says he was desiring to be fed. He's hungry and he's just like, if I could just get something, you know, maybe I can get it from this man. He's got plenty. Mm-hmm. He's faring sumptuously. Perhaps I could just get something small from him. And then the dogs came and licked his sores. But listen, and it came to pass that the beggar died. So what does that tell you? The rich man didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Lazarus sat there and suffered, begged, hoped, desired, wanted, and received nothing and died at this man's gate. All right. So he didn't have a home. He didn't have anywhere to be either. Okay. So it says that he died. And notice it says, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Lazarus wasn't buried. Chances are Lazarus was put in the Valley of Hinnom. Okay. That's where they would put beggars. Oh, see, I just thought that was a cute way of like ending the sentence. Like Lazarus died and went to heaven and he died and was buried. Right. I.E. He died. That's right. Like that was it. Well, check this out. So a rich man's burial would have been done with a lot of pomp and circumstance. The entire synagogue the entire village or community they were in would have went to this. He would have been given this wonderful funeral and then he would have been placed in a tomb because rich men had tombs. And so he would have been put into a tomb and it would have been all of this pomp and circumstance. Lazarus was probably thrown in the Valley of Hinnom. That's most likely where he ended up, which would have been hell on earth. But his spirit was carried by the angels into paradise where Abraham's bosom is. That's where Abraham is. So it says next, and in hell, he lift up his eyes. So the rich man can see in this place. Right now, we don't know what hell is. He just says hell. Being in torments. This is the first time you hear about tormenting souls in the afterlife. Oh really? This this the first. This is where it's the first at. instance. Yes, and if I'm wrong, oh, kind of we'll correct it in the future podcast. But to to the best of my knowledge, from all my studies, this is where it's at. This really? is where you find out about okay. torment. That's funny because you feel like that would be some Old Testament stuff, but it's not. Huh. All right. Yeah. Cool. This and is actually Jesus saying. This is Jesus, the yeah. one that the hippie love guy yeah. that everybody yeah. talks about. He's the one that's bringing in these hardcore teachings. And if you remember from our last podcast, he's also the creator of it because all things were made by him. So that means that this place also was made by him. Okay. Okay. That's another part of that. So the man lifts up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham. So he knew who Father Abraham was. Evidently, whenever you, even though he'd never seen Abraham before, going into this place, he gets the knowledge and understanding of who he's looking at. So he's feeling tormented. He's able to see. And now you find out he's able to speak. And he's speaking. And and know who that is. Yeah. Okay. Realizing that he's in torments and all the things that he's in. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. So now you hear about flames. Mm-hmm. But also it's interesting. Let's, let's go back to Lazarus, where he was at at the beginning of the story. He was laying at the gate in torments, asking for a crumb, and the rich man didn't give it. But now the rich man who is being tormented sees Lazarus and wants to put him to work. 
Yeah, like he he wants Lazarus to bring him something to drink. Hey, yeah. hey, could you get Lazarus to bring me some water and just just a just dip his finger in it, just on the tip of my tongue? I just need something. Get Lazarus to do it. Bring Lazarus over here. And another thing, he knows his name. Like that's, that's he know he knew he, who he was. Yeah, yeah, he also knows. Yeah, oops, that's the beggar. That's good, and he yeah. knows his name. So yeah. that means that he was late at his gate. He knows who what his name is. Yeah, he literally ignored him and didn't give him anything. But then in the afterlife, even in his torments, he's like, "Get that guy to come on this side over here." Oh, you're useful now. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. So then it says, "Come lick my feet." <laughs> yeah, they're sore. Come, come, come lick my athlete's feet. Yeah. <laughs> my athlete's face. Yeah. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Now, it's interesting that he says, Son, because that means the rich man was definitely Jewish because it's of the Abrahamic faith, the Judaic faith. Okay. So he, this man was a Jew. I guess they all were, but the Romans weren't. So that's why I bring that up. Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So... Jesus is describing this giant gulf between paradise and Hades that they can see one another, but they cannot reach each other. Now, it's important to understand this is not talking about our afterlife. This is talking about the afterlife pre-Christ. Christ actually changes this. His death and resurrection changes it. Yes, there is paradise. Yes, there is Hades. But in in Revelation, it discusses this. It takes it a little bit further, and it says that there will be a great white throne judgment, and then death and hell, or Hades, will be resurrected and brought before the judgment, and all of the people will be judged, and then they will be cast into the lake of fire forever. So there, the lake of fire is not the same place as Hades. Hmm. So the rich man hasn't been judged. The rich man is alive now, okay, still in his torments, yep. if this story is true, if this all is true, okay? It's still happening. 2,020 years later, he's still there. I don't know when this happened, but I'm assuming it was during Christ's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's telling the story. He's telling the story, and he knew the name of the guy, Yeah, you know, Lazarus. Now, so Abraham has told him, I'm sorry. I can't help this. I can't help you. And even if I wanted to, we can't pass between each other. So once you arrive, you're done. Once you go to this place, you're not getting out. So all of these stories that you hear about hell and people are like, oh, I hate hearing people preach about hell. I get it. Like, I don't like hearing it either. I don't. I'm like, it terrifies me. And I also don't like it when people use it to try to get people to come along with their beliefs. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't believe me, you are going to hell. That's your primary motivating thing. Exactly. And I hate that. I literally hate it. Because Christ didn't come up and say, if you don't choose me, you're going to burn in hell. He never said that in his ministry. Not once. He never did. He was warning the Pharisees and the rich people and all the people that were controlling others, like, you're not going to escape this place that you're heading. You need to listen to what I'm telling you. Like what you are doing in your life has consequences. Mm -hmm. You will pay for what you did, right? Yeah. Any questions so far? No. (laughs) I mean, I sort of do, but they're semi-unrelated. It's okay. Hennem. What is that place? The Valley of Hennem? Dumped there? So beggars, beggars, um, lepers, people that were sick, the Valley of Hennem. Or you can Google Gehenna, G-E-H-E-N-N-A. Uh-huh. It's a place where their trash or rubbish was burnt. Including human bodies. Humans, if they were, if they had no family or huh. anywhere to be put, it was safer and cleaner to sanitation burn to burn yeah. the bodies sure. outside of the city. Sure, absolutely. That would 
I mean, that's wild, but that makes sense. Sure, in ancient like, times, that's what they did. We still burn bodies today. We just do it in a controlled place where nobody yeah. can see it. Yeah, yeah. Crematorium. Crematoriums, yeah. I mean- <laughs> Or a crematorium, if you're me. Yes. Or a mocha crematorium. <laughs> mocha crematorium. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite. I'm going to edit question? that out. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> what is- What Did you have any other questions? No, no, no. It's just I'm fascinated with this valley where- yeah. Like it's like trash and fires of human flesh. Yeah, That's amazing. It's, just a it's, it's awful, just, but yeah. it's like but it's you such a colorful place. Nothing. But we yeah. have like we have dumps today. They're still in existence. We take them to we sure. call them landfill. You know, we take all of our junk and we put it mm -hmm. over there and we just bury it under the dirt. That's what we do. So we don't have to look at it. Yep. Oh, absolutely, but, but we, we don't separate put our, our human yeah, remains. We, we don't. We don't burn Lazarus there. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why that was so fascinating to me, but it was just. I was just like, so tell me more about this, this place of garbage and burning human flesh, please. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like something the Nazis would have done, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, okay. it does, and they I'm, did. They were recently like dumping people in mass graves in New York State at the beginning of the COVID crisis the COVID when crisis. New York City was mm -hmm. so bad when it had it so bad. There were. There was literally mass graves in New York State. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. it's it was. There were like nurses that were working out of tents on the streets of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it it looked was like a madness war zone. up front. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So after he tells them, hey, there's this goal fixed. You can't come here. I can't come there. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, so he can pray. There's a thought, which really means I'm asking you mm -hmm. in a in a very dear way, like I'm, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. So Lazarus is in paradise. He is still trying to get Lazarus to do stuff for him. He says, have him come out of heaven over to hell and give me some water. Oh, have him leave heaven and go back and warn my brothers. Like, he still doesn't get it. In all of this torment, he still doesn't get it. He's still thinking about himself. He's a very selfish person, this guy. He says, I pray thee therefore that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them. So tell him what was going on yeah. in the afterlife, lest they also come into this place of torment. So at least he's not selfish when it comes to his brothers. He wants to save them, but he could care less about Lazarus having to leave heaven and the comforts that he had to go back and tell, hey, by the way, I was a beggar uh, at yeah, your son's yeah. place and he's in hell now, so you might want to... I mean, it's kind of bizarre. I, I have one question. Um, so, okay, Jesus is telling the story, correct? Yes. Okay, so he hasn't died for our sins yet. No. So this guy's he's just... He's just stuck, right? I mean, he's he's just there. Yes, he's still there. Okay. That leads to an interesting set of questions about the people that died before Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so and I can get into that. If you have any questions, go for it because I can I can get into that. I'm okay. in one of those positions in a lot of the stuff where I'm too ignorant to have questions. It's not Get away. I get to wait till I have some information and then I can pry it apart. It's, it's like my dad said, there's no such thing as a stupid question. No. Just a stupid person that's asking me a question right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay. But so what happened pre-Christ's death, right? This. You were judged based on your actions. But how do you... But it doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. I guess how do you know you're doing wrong? Does that make sense? That's a brilliant question. Um, it's in Romans. I can read it. It's not my fault I'm rich and you're poor back then. Right. You know, I mean, um, I don't know that it's your fault now. I mean, it depends well, well, on no, what you no, did but, to get but I mean, like, money. Um, but. Well, okay. Okay. Take for instance, we, we look, I think you look at people that beg now, you know, you're like, well, why are you still begging? Why, why haven't you? done something with the money I gave you yesterday. I think a lot of those people have serious mental well, issues. Well, yeah. I yeah, think that's I agree. the, the um, bottom of but, that. But, you I know, mean, not entirely. Like back then though, Jesus is telling the story. So this rich guy, he didn't know about heaven, did he? Sure. Yeah. I mean, he knew about that they would sleep with their fathers. They would go to this place of paradise, which is where Abraham was. Okay. That was their faith. That okay. was the Judaic okay. Okay. understanding of the afterlife. Gotcha. So okay. he knew... And expected that he was going to go there. Oh, okay. Most people are surprised when they end up in hell, I'm sure. Okay. Um, 
There's the um. I think I owe like eighty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, at least paid. <laughs> I'll count it up later. It's fine. <laughs> paid yeah, to. Yeah, that's right. And can... Giraffe Studio and <laughs> yeah. Seville, Another plug. Make that check out to cash. <laughs> <laughs> he thought very much of himself. He didn't think he was doing anything wrong. Okay. He didn't. There is nothing wrong with people being rich. There's not. It doesn't say. Jesus said it's very difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven. He said it's very difficult. It's like trying to put a camel through the eye of a needle. That's how he said it. Blenders were not invented yet. No. (laughs) They were, but they were like scimitars and... Not scimitars, but uh, what do they call them? Yeah, scimitars. Those big hacked, you know, steel that you have it's to hack them up. It's a big curvy blade. <laughs> it's a big curvy yeah. blade. And I don't even think that's what it's called, but I don't know. No, a scimitar is uh, like the half man, half. <laughs> a simonentar. Yeah, yeah. That's a half that's man, a minotaur. half knife. Minotaur. Okay. Half man, half is sem- 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 is a scimitar. half man, half knife. <laughs> What is a scimitar? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this man, you know, he's he's in shock. He's trying to get Lazarus to go help, and Abraham's response is it's quite amazing. He said, "They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them." In other words, God's words already been established. Moses wrote the first five books, the Torah. Mm-hmm. You know, then the prophets go from all the way from Samuel to the end with Malachi. You've got David, who's a prophet in the Psalms. You've got prophetic verses from Proverbs, which came from Solomon. Well, Solomon wrote most of them. There were a couple others that were written by others, but there's all the wisdom and information that they need to understand where to end up is in there. So that's, a, that's something for us to know now. He's telling you it's already in there. So even the Old Testament has the things that we as men need to know. But when the new covenant came, Christ said, there's something else. And really it's about trust. We have to trust what he says and what he did on our behalf. And we will never have to encounter any of these things. And we will have an abundant life. And it may not mean riches, but it could be joy and peace and happiness, you know, that's what Christ offers. He mm-hmm. he never owned a home. Christ lived in a home, and he worked as a carpenter. Um, but he never owned his own home. It says that the Son of Man didn't have a place to lay his own head. So once he started his ministry, he never had a home. He slept under the stars, and he went from town to town preaching the gospel. That's what he did. So this man says... Okay, fine. You want us to read? <laughs> We're not going to read. I mean, that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's not going to be good enough. So now he's arguing with Abraham. He's arguing with the very father Abraham that all of the Judaic ethic is based from him, you know, in his promise that the that God gave him to become a nation. Now he's arguing with him. No, no, Abraham, that's not going to work for me. I'm going to need you to send send them down. If one went to them from the dead, he said, then they will repent. And he says, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if one raises from the dead. So curious. I'm wondering, I'm wondering about whether that's true or not. And I'm not saying it's not, I'm just like, I'm literally like, I've seen people. (laughs) I've, I've met people, you know, how, how difficult is it to convince a person of that which they do not already sort of want to believe Mm -hmm. and so it might be true it might be true that you could i mean a literal like let's let's be comedic it's not actually comedic but uh hyperbolic and say like a flesh a flesh rotting zombie yeah i don't you know we've seen that right people that like you could give them that sort of sign and they still would not believe they would they would find a way to to believe what they wanted or have it mean what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So that might be true. It might be unfortunately true. Well, people. the funny part is, and that's what always kind of struck me. Uh, I get confused. Scholars today, biblical scholars say, well, first they say that this is a parable, which I disagree with wholeheartedly. And two, 
they say that the Lazarus that he speaks of is not the same Lazarus that's found in the Bible, in the New Testament. Lazarus in the Bible, in, in the book of John, he is the brother of Mary and Martha. And if you read John chapter 11, the sisters say, Jesus, come to our home. Our brother is here and he's dying. Please come and help. And he doesn't. He waits four days. He he actually waits longer than that. He doesn't come and Lazarus dies and they put him in the tomb. And then Jesus arrives. Now, if you read the book of John, he's already been to their house several times. He used to come and eat there with them. And he was, you know, he was friends with this family and they were devastated. We fed you here. You're a part of us. We love you. We're believers. Martha runs out to him and says, where have you been? My brother, we told you that our brother was dying and now he's dead and it's too late. And he says, Martha, who have I told you that I am? Do you know who I am? She says, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he says, do you believe in the resurrection? And she said, yes, I believe that Lazarus will be resurrected in the last days. And he says, Martha, I am the resurrection. He personalizes it. I am the resurrection and the life. So then Mary comes out and Jesus has had several moments with Mary very intimate, not, not in a like lover type of intimate, but just very intimate. She loved Jesus and Jesus loved her and she was very soft hearted. Um, Martha had worked in the kitchen all day and she comes out and she said, Jesus, Martha, Mary's just sitting there and I'm in here working. Would you please tell her to get in here and help me? And he was like, Martha, Martha, she's getting the best part. You're basically working yourself to death and you're not listening to a thing that I'm saying. And you'll find Christians that do that. They're worker bees, man. They get in that church and they work, 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 but they don't have a heart. They're so busy being godly that they can't be earthly good at all, you know? And then you have some people that are just like, when you talk to them, it's just like this, it's almost like getting honey. They're just so sweet and just compassionate and loving. And you're like, man, those are some nice people. Those are neat people to meet, actually. I love those kind of people. There's a very few people that I've met. One of them, and I'll say his name on here, David Allen. I was, as a young toolmaker, he was, he was a, first of all, he was an African-American, which was uncommon in our field. There, I'd never met an African-American toolmaker. He taught me so much. And he quoted scripture to me all the time. I used to love it. Really? Oh, oh, I used to love listening to him say it. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but he used to quote to me. And he'd say, one time I came in and I had a Bible. It was an NIV. And he was from old school that says only the King James Version, only LeBron James Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, why are you reading that NIV? And NIV stood for non-inspired version next to them. You know, that's what's so funny. And he was like, what, is it, what does that book say right here? I think it was John chapter eight. And he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. I was saying that on the way yeah, over here. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But in the King James version, it says in my father's house are many mansions. And so David's like, I don't want no room. I want a mansion, you know? And, I, and that's, you know, it's, we're laughing about it, you know, but he and I do want to say this on this podcast before I get out. Let's talk about compassion for a second. The kind of person that deserves this, at least the afterlife pre-Christ, you know, he's a believer, so he's, he's saved. And, but pre-Christ, this behavior, my car broke down and I had no money. And I had a wife who stayed at home and I had two children that were little, they weren't in school and I had no money and I had no way to get to work. And I was terrified and I called into work and I said, is there anybody that'd be willing to come pick me up and bring me to work until I can figure out what's going on? Well, David did. David heard. So he left work. He came, he picked me up and he's like, what's going on with that thing? And I said, well, it won't start. And he's like, well, let's, he gets out of his car and we check it. And he's like, "Ah." he said, it's your starter. I was like, okay. He said, well, he said, that's an easy fix. And he drives me to work. We're working all day. And at the end of the day, he's like, well, let's go by the parts house and we'll get you a part. And I said, David, I can't, I can't. He goes, well, I can't. 
He said, I can't pick you up and take you to work and bring you home every day. <laughs> this, is, said, oh. this is easier for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he said, I'll tell you what. But I'm going to fix your problem one way or the yeah. other. Yeah. Well, he did sure. more than that. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to get you that part. He said, and I'm going to show you how to put it on. He said, I'm going to teach you how. Sure. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. You know, wow. And I said, well, I'll pay you right back. I'll pay you right back. So he took me to the store. He bought the part. We went to the house. He, he showed me how to do it. And it worked, and my car was fixed. And I was like, that was so amazing. You're so nice. I would really like to, you know, I'll pay you back Friday when I get paid. He said, you don't owe me anything. And I was like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. I mean, that was like, oh, wait a minute. Now, that's my pride there. And he's like, nope. He said it was a gift. And you got to learn how to receive a gift. That's a gift. And my boss previous, when I was working for him, he was always trying to get me fired. <laughs> and and I found out why. I made the mistake of telling him, you know, someday I would like to have your job. And one, oh, and one day maybe you'll be promoted. But he didn't hear the one day you'll be promoted part. All he heard was that I wanted his job. Yeah, so that was a replacement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he was like job scared. So that was it. Well, David was teaching me everything. Like he was showing me everything. And one day I just, I couldn't believe it. And I asked him, I said, David, I said, why are you showing me everything? I said, aren't you afraid I could take your job? Like I make a lot less money than you. He said, you can't take my job. And I was like, well, okay. he goes, well, you can't take my job. And I was like, well, Doug could fire you and put me in his place. He said, Doug didn't give me this job. And Doug was the owner of the business. I was like, well, who gave you the job? And he was like, the Lord gave me this job. And he said, and I'm giving you everything that I got. He said, but you can't take my job. He said, oh, that's up to the Lord, not him, not you. You still owe me for that starter, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you better get to work. <laughs> yeah, give me exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. But that, that's the kind of character, you know, that that man had. And for me, that had a big impression on me. Just his actions made me want to learn more mm -hmm. about what is it that this man has? I want what this man has. Like, I like just his, his general outlook and life. Outlook sure, and, yeah, sure. yeah. I loved it, you know. But then then again, you know, as as you become a mature Christian and, you know, and over time and you're reading, you start learning, there's a whole lot more to this. There is, there's a lot more to this. And that's what this podcast is going to be about. It's going to be about these kinds of things. If you want to know who talked about hell the most, it was Christ. If you want to talk about the love of God, it was Christ. If you want to talk about the light of the world, you want to talk about the, you know, he called himself the great physician. He says, I'm, and the Pharisees, he's always knocking on them. The Pharisees are like, Ugh, what are you doing with those people? And he said, oh, I didn't come here to fix the well. I came to heal the sick. In other words, you think you're okay, but you're not. Yeah. You're straining out a gnat and you're swallowing a camel. You're looking at a splinter and you got a board in your own eye. And so that's the people that he's telling this story to, and he's warning them. He's saying, if you don't change your ways, when this is all said and done, you're going to be in torment. And then when you're in the judgment, this is what you will do forever, because that's the only way that a just God can manage evil. That's the only way. Those, those are all really interesting stories to me, because it's not the prototypical stories you kind of get through osmosis as a person that doesn't really read the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Those are not the... Those are, so those are interesting yeah to me well i think that's it that's it for this one that's it yeah i mean any closing thoughts i don't think so you andy uh, i'm just fascinated with the literal dumpster fire that was <laughs> the literal dumpster fire yeah the, the valley literal, of Hinnom. the, the yeah, literal the dumpster fire that was the valley of Hinnom. yeah, yeah. It was there, and he taught many times. He it would sounds use terrible. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure it stunk. I'm sure it was awful, you know. But I don't know what the topic's going to be about next week, but I'll be sure to let you guys know. Okay, cool. All right, well, yep. again, one last plug. Thanks, Andy Bishop of Giraffe Studio in Hendersonville, North Carolina. at least two of these out of here. <laughs> no, just make sure they cut all the ums out. Yeah, the ums and the coffin. <laughs> and, uh, I fought a sneeze off. That was pretty cool. So <laughs> He fought the sneeze See, off. See, everybody, yeah. we're growing, yeah, we're learning. Exactly, yeah. So. Right. See, well, the difference between you and me is like, I can do, I can do this. 
<laughs> he can cut it right off. That's true. I love it. So, all right, well, very well, good. We'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. Right, yeah. Awesome. A couple of weeks. Yep. 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 Thanks. Perfect. Check, check, uh, check one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a seven-inch monitor for my. Of course, it's just a DSLR, right? Right. So, those are nice though, and, and they are helpful instead of that little tiny screen, you know. I'm excited. I meant when I bought that camera to do like, to do like little videos for the studio, mm-hmm. you know, write it off and be like as a part of promotion for the studio. And I've done a little bit, but I really need to do more. Rick, can you just talk for a second? Yes. Nice and loud or laugh or something. Cause laughing is usually the loudest. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Billy. It just yeah, just something that's kind of on the loud side for you. <laughs> I'm sorry, our our milkshake machine is broken today. So <laughs> he's laughing because I said Big Rick, Big Rick in the '69 okay, room. There was one little thing where after everybody actually got comfortable, there was a little distortion on one of the mics. I don't think anybody noticed because it wasn't that big a deal. But mm-hmm. okay, I thought it was great. I like Andy's mic. That's uh, you look professional over there. I know. Right? I mean, that's that's those uh, that's, mics cost really about cool. three times what this one costs. Just for the record, <laughs> these two, these really, yeah, sure. Wow. That's the, I mean, people use these because they're because it uh, looks cool. They're affordable. They're it's not super affordable. It's like a three three hundred fifty, maybe a four hundred dollar mic, and those are like a closer to a thousand. So oh, not okay. three times, okay. a little better than double. But it is. They're just kind of known if you're. I don't know why. It's like what's said about them is if your room sounds like shit, the mic won't pick up on it as much. Oh, okay. Okay. But I don't know that that's necessarily true. I just think it's like because the way it is, people have a propensity to just eat it like I am. And if you do that to any mic, you're going to get less room sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Do. It's a you decent talk mic. talk a lot. Yeah. It's a decent mic. Mm-hmm. And editing. And Rick's went limp. Is it doing it again? No, it's oh. good. It's good. Okay. It's like, it, 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 it went this little. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's Keep like, an eye oh. on that. Maybe I need to tighten that more. That stand I'm does dumb. that, and it might just kind of be a bad choice. It's all good. So okay, well, we're rolling. I think we're all good here. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Can you? Okay. Get a refresher. Uh, what's the What's the things today? I like the idea of having targets, and not that anybody can't just wander as far from them as they want. Well, you know, and I I should have given you some more information on it. Because I did send it to Billy like this past Sunday. Oh, no, that's 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 fine. It just it it just having something like peripheral. Yeah, peripheral. How do you say that? Peripheral. Peripheral. Peripherally. Peripheral. No, whatever. Uh, just I think I think helps me even if it's like super loose and whatever. So, do you want me to send you like the scriptures we're going to use for you to read, and then give you like the general idea of what we're going to talk about? Okay. Did like, you do you that? Want- yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, I can pop do that, that over time. to me, and and you guys can start, and maybe I'll try to brush up while you guys kind of get. Well, going. just go. You just look it up, Luke chapter sixteen, verse nineteen through thirty-one. Okay. Okay. But uh, so, are we rolling? Sixteen. Luke Six- chapter sixteen, starting with verse nineteen, through the rest of the chapter, yeah. verse thirty-one. Okay. And we're going to read it here in a second. So Okay. Well, maybe I'll just wait for that to happen. But I did write it down, and that's not a bad thing. And what I'll do from here on out, you know, if we're going to continue this, you know, hopefully we can. But um, I will send out an email to both of you. I wanted – I actually did send an email out to you guys asking you for some input, but I didn't get any response. Oh, I do not re- – <laughs> I literally don't recall that email. Yeah. You actually said – I did. Give me some input. I said uh, in the yeah, and I, I said, "What do you guys want to talk about?" And then uh, I didn't hear anything I, yeah, for two days. Okay. I, was, I said, "Okay, oh, I guess I'm, it's going to be." I'm sorry. I I did miss that somehow. Yeah, or that's all I good. Believe it, or maybe I'm just blocking it out so that I don't have to feel bad about myself. Yeah. Or you're just blocking my email. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was input on the last podcast. So no, no, no. I, I, well, the he next had, one, well, so. Andy had, you know, gave almost like a paragraph of like different thoughts in regard to it, okay. which I agreed with pretty much all of it. So I was like, great, let's talk, let's pick a topic and let's go that way. Okay. So this one, this week, um, do you want to start rolling? Um, we're rolling. Oh, we okay. Have 10 minutes of conversation we'll never use for anything, but it never hurts. Right, right.